Tony Basilio, welcome you to another edition. It is an outstanding day to be alive and well with you on this Thursday. We're one day closer to the start of things for our Tennessee volunteers. Ah, it's absolutely incredible. Even on the rainiest of days, we break it down scientifically with you. Make no mistake about it. Going where no show dare to go. I'll tell you this. The cool weather's right around the corner. I'm in the uh, northeast right now, and I'm going to hang out with my special needs brother Steve this afternoon, But and he's got like five places I'm taking him. The weather here the last couple days, high of like 78, 79. When I got off the air yesterday, I took my guitar because, you know, living in Knoxville, you don't get many days like this in the summer. And I pushed all my work stuff off, and I said, you know, uh, I can do this stuff, a bunch of the stuff at night. So I kind of played hooky, and I just went to downtown square where I'm at, and I just sat downtown. I, I think I played music for like four hours and just sat out in the, uh, like 78 degrees here. It's crazy. Last night felt like fall here. I, I had a long sleeve shirt on. Uh, it was probably in the si- 60s. It's right around the corner, so that's everybody just, you know, pump your brakes, chill, Russell, chill. It's right there. It's almost here. Here we go. Moving along, let's get the great John Adams in here, now that I've gotten that out of the way, because football, John, is in the air. It's a beautiful thing to see another football season, my friend, and I take none of this for granted, and it's an absolutely, there's just nothing like being in and you've been in the pro markets the college markets there's just nothing like knoxville in the ramp up to another college football season it's very fun yeah tony uh we had i was over there at uh, ut for the media day uh yeah they, you have really good pretty ac- pretty good access on media day i mean they select the players who will be there but i mean there are a dozen or so guys you talk to coaches so uh we talk about, yeah, you, know, you have the SEC media days that consider that kind of lift off to the season to come, but but this is this is really more of a a, a starting point because this this fo- something follows. Nothing really follows media days with the SEC, but this is practice now ensues. So it's uh, I think fans could really see the season to come at this point, and you're starting to to have player interviews, talking to players, that kind of thing. So it really uh, ratchets up the enthusiasm. And I was uh, overall impressed. I think I think players now are more at ease with the media than they used to be. I mean, some guys in every era are with the, at ease with the media. But from, you have to remember, you're basically talking to strangers. And most of these guys uh, just seem... As a group, really at ease. I think part of that comes from their their head coach and the way he approaches things. He doesn't make a big deal, apparently, out of the media being some foreign entity and something you have to do. It's uh, so an NIL helps too. We talked about that. So I think there's a lot of uh, so it was uh, these guys were easy to talk to. I really like talking to Squirrel White. John, what's your sense? As I bring Matt Dixon in here, our, our, our uh, third uh, panelist on today's program, along with myself, Brian Hartman. I guess that makes four. 
But uh, Dixon, good morning to you. And then, uh, John, I got to drill down on your sense of what 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 we're going to see from this Tennessee club. And you're rather sharp. I, I use the term emotional intelligence. You've got it in spades. I I, I just rather I'd be interesting to see what your reading of the room was as you were around that the other day because you're you're kind of a hard guy to fool. Matt Dixon, good morning to you, or or good day to you, rather I should say. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, doing well. Uh, you know, football season starts this month, so we're you know time time to get to get into the groove. And um, apologies for not having kind of a, a fall camp preview for the blog. Uh, I was intending to do that the other day. Um, uh, that got got a little bit frustrated with uh, the Astros, um, and let that affect my <laughs> my blogging for the for the site. But uh, no, it, it's it's <laughs> fall, fall fall camp. You're not kidding. Let's you, get fired up. Are you kidding, Matt? I was. I I of course I I boycotted them, and then they they go out and throw a no hitter. So that's very very fitting. <laughs> A lot of good, a lot of good. Your boycott did. did. Boy, they're really suffering. To do Tuesday. When we were on the air, you said um, it's it's interesting. Matt said his final thought because we took the remarks uh, from Heupel, John, and then we talked about it for a little bit, and we were all just kind of marveling at how normal he is and. Blake Topmeyer was on here yesterday talking about just the complete normalcy around Tennessee's program right now and competence and professionalism and all those things that we, we wouldn't have said in the past. Um, but Matt said, Matt's final thought was the Astros better not be doing what it looks like they're getting ready to do. The Mets held out for Drew Gilbert. They also got their number one prospect in this year's class, so uh, they got their what many people think are the top two prospects in their farm system. The interesting thing about Major League Baseball is that what you have to what you have to wonder is did the Astros give up on Gilbert for a reason? Did they trade him with white knuckles, not wanting to let him go? And only they know that. And the other thing is. The, I saw a stat the other day where of the guys that change hands during the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the prospects, the number is 13% that make it to the Major Leagues. It's a small number. So um, I, I don't know. I guess the numbers are on the the side of the Astros in that deal, but... It's pretty interesting uh, when you stop and look at it because somebody got fleeced in that deal. I'm afraid it's the Astros because I'm afraid Drew Gilbert's going to be Len Dykstra all over again. John, we were comparing him to Len Dykstra on here a couple years ago, and it's ironic that he's now going to be a New York Met because they're either going to love him up there or he's going to feud with that fan base because with Drew Gilbert, there is no middle ground. Oh, I, I think they will really like him. I think that fan base was uh, was made for Drew Gilbert. I think that will be a happy marriage, assuming he develops and becomes a, a major league starter. And I think he has that potential. But you gave the number, 13% of these players named in these kind of deals 
it's so hard to become a major league starter. It's hard to make the major leagues. It's just really difficult. There are just so many things that can go wrong. And you just don't know when it comes to hitters how they will hit major league pitching day after day after day. Uh, they might have hit all the way through, all the way up, uh, all the way through the minor leagues in college, whatever. But then they get nope. to that level, and some guys just can't handle it. Uh, it's just very challenging, I think. But one thing about the Astros, uh, and Matt and I were talking, would you rather have the the Astros organization or the Mets? I mean, yeah, the Astros are giving up some promising prospects, but my guess is the Astros will find more promising tro- prospects. That's their track record. It's a really strong organization. Well, it's kind of like this, right? Tony Vitello, the other day when I was talking to him before we had him on last week, he's like, if this guy goes to LSU, we got another guy we're probably, you know, going to take here rather quickly, which ended up being the pitcher from Cal. He didn't give me the name last week. Um, I didn't ask him for it. But he said to me, we feel like this is a guy that Frank, if he works with him, can do some things with him. Plus, he's a really good clubhouse guy. He's a guy I think will be an asset to our club and that we can use. And, and at this point, who of us is going to argue – because this is the Astros deal. When you got a solid organization, it's mad. It's hard to quibble with them for trading Gilbert, even though they did. It's almost like you got to go. That really urinates me off. They did that because he's my boy. But these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, and well, and, and you know who you're getting too. I mean, he's obviously well past his prime, but he right. you know, was in Houston the last like five and a half years. Uh, you know, his catcher's still there. So you know exactly what you're getting. So there's not going to be any like transition period with him. Um, but you do, you know, you do give up a you know two two your two of your best prospects. Some people have them as one and two. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is what it is. But I guess most people don't care about the Astros farm system who are listening. So I'll tell you well, what most people care about though, and that's if, the if concept. You want to go, of, I don't know how far you are from Binghamton, New York, but that's where Gilbert will make his debut tonight, and it's where uh, Blade Tidwell actually made his Double A debut last night against uh, Chad Dallas. The concept of excellent management, though, goes right back to Josh Heupel. Because Sean, I want to ask you about. You were telling me about the new OC. And again, John's not a uh, John's not a guy that's going to fluff you on the air and throw a bunch of undue praise around. I think in all the years I've worked with him, I may have gotten one compliment from him, but I I remember it and I cherish it. John, from your you, humble I've, I've opinion, complimented you complimented you so many you pre- times. You presented I've also by been critical. I've been critical you, at times too. You presented by seniors helping seniors online at seniorshelpingseniors.com. Um. John, your sense of the new offensive coordinator at Tennessee? Well, he's he's new in the sense, Joey Halsley, he's new in the sense that he he has a new job. He was the quarterback's coach, so, yeah, he's got more responsibility, and he talks about that, how he had to, you know, he, he comes in with the plan now instead of listening to the plan and seeing how that will affect him with his quarterback. So, but, I mean, if, 
It's a very it's a very common move to move a quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. And when I was listening to him to talk talk the other day, uh, what struck me is, and I'm sure other guys have noticed this uh, in the time he's been here, he he really sounded like an NFL offensive coordinator, very polished and, and very capable of articulating about the offense itself and about the players. Uh, I, I know a lot of it has to do, you you follow the lead of the head coach. I think Josh Heupel, he doesn't downplay his team's ability. He talks about going for championships. Uh, and Hosley was, as he talked about the players, he just, I can see where he can relate well to players. I know there's a difference in relating to media and relating to players, but he he deals in specifics. For example, when he talked about uh, when he talked about quarterback Joe Milton, he talked about how much he talked about him as having it's sort of uh, an elite attention to detail. And this is something that has developed over the time he's been at Tennessee under the staff, and that he has that he is he's really got himself immersed in the position and the nuances of the position, and he understands things. He pointed out that that Milton can now read. He he knows all the offensive line calls, and it's kind of second nature to him. Uh, so that the way that affects a quarterback, of course, is uh, he knows like the run blocking calls. So, so you know where you're protected and where you're not. And uh, sometimes when you pick up all these details, uh, as Halsley pointed out, when you're comfortable with them, that's sort of freeing for him to do what he does to let his talent flow. Uh, he's not encumbered thinking, oh, what am I going to do here? What what is this? Uh, it, it's it's easier for him. And again, that's that's Halsley's description of it. But he's very descriptive in the way he speaks about players. And uh, and, and you don't. I mean, you you look at it. You have to remember. Well, this is uh, preseason talk, and everybody talks a really good game in preseason. However, with Tennessee and the offense, you also have a track record. So. It's not as though you're just, this is wishful thinking. Many times coaches say in talking about a player or a unit, when they're giving a description of how he's doing, they're saying that in hopes that the player will become that. But I don't think that's the case here. Uh, And another thing I thought was interesting that Halsley talked about how in offensive staff meetings, Josh Heupel is, he, he looks at all the different players, the, the skilled players on the offense, and says, okay, what matches his skill set? So that shows a, a, a really nice flexibility and that they're not, in just, not just fitting players for the offense. They're also saying, how can this offense benefit this particular player and shape plays and design things that would bring out the talent in this particular player. So, and I wrote about that for today on our website. I, I just thought it, I was just real impressed with Halsley uh, and the way he the way he described what they do and and what the and the development of the players. And I tell you, one guy that all these coaches, going back to the spring, this Dante Thornton, 
the transfer from Oregon. Six uh, five guy who can run. They all really like him, and now it's going to be. There will be a transitional phase, uh, but they are all they're all very complimentary of him. So this could be another elite receiving core. Gosh, I feel like I've given a declaration address or something. I'm rambling on here, but. Anyway, Matt, that's Matt Dixon, it's not like John to flow effusively or to be bowled over. This is a guy that's, you know, been down the highways and byways. Your thoughts when on some of the things that John just said regarding this operation, regarding uh, Josh Heupel, regarding the fact that the future's unbelievably bright here. Yeah, well, it's kind of like we, we talked about with, with Frank Anderson and pitchers, you know, with Josh Heifel and, and a quarterback and, and an offense, it's like the track record is there. Um, and we, we saw, we've seen firsthand the last two years what he can do with a, a kind of middling quarterback at, at another place. So oh, I, yeah, I think I have all the confidence in the world in Josh Heifel to, and, and the, the offensive staff to, to figure out what works with this team and, and figure out a couple of wrinkles to use and, and figure out a way to, to best use Joe Milton and, and hopefully kind of limit the the mistakes that that Hinton Hooker was so good at doing. Um, so no, I I think there's a whole lot of optimism and, and John makes a good point about the about the receivers and you know they, they there might be more talent in that room this year than there was last year and you've got you had two guys drafted who were who were kind of showing out in, wow. in a NFL training camp right now. That's. Those are fighting words, John. You think there could be more talent, John, in that receiver room? Yeah, it's interesting Matt said that. I I reached the same conclusion just looking at what these guys have done. Uh, one thing I like about this receiving core is its versatility. It, it's kind of as uh, the strengths complement each other. Uh, when Halsey was talking about Brew McCoy, who we know is a big, strong guy, He's one of those guys, you get him one-on-one, he goes up for the ball, he can take it away from a DB. He's just a strong guy, and he runs well, too. So you have him, he can make those tough one-on-one catches and just beat beat a defender on a on a jump ball and, and frankly, overpower a defender in some cases. Uh, then you have uh, Squirrel White, uh, who I asked him about, I asked Squirrel about his his size and if he works extensively maybe in the off season on doing things that would protect his body and make him less vulnerable for injury. And he said, no, he said, uh, I think of myself as a big receiver. <laughs> I thought, I mean, he, he's really, he's really a small guy, but he's super quick. And, uh, we saw, we've seen glimpses of that. He's even as a freshman, super quick with sprinter speed. So he's not just quick and not just fast, he's both. And you put him alongside Brew McCoy, and then you add in Morel, uh, Amel Keaton, who is a guy that can really make the tough, guarded catch, who seems to play pretty fearlessly. He goes up for the ball. And Halsley talks about you can't go in the building. It's very likely you'll go in the building at, at a lot of times, and that Ramel Keaton won't be catching catching the ball from the jugs gun. So he's really worked. He's one of these players that has developed. They've developed a lot of good players. 
with this coaching staff, and he's one of those guys. But see, I look at that when you look at all the talent, the skill sets of those three guys. It really gives you a complementary unit, and then you throw in a guy who whom Osley describes as having rare talent in talking about Thornton. So right there, you have four guys, and I know Josh Heupel, the way they run that offense with up tempo and everybody's going so fast, not a lot of times to sub, so he sticks with the three guys, but you had a fourth guy in there. You've got to have a fourth guy because you're, you're going to get injuries, uh, so you can move him in there too, or you can start a drive with him. I really do think uh, this will be a, this is a better receiving core than what Tennessee had last year. Eight six five two hundred five four zero two. Yeah, I, I just look at this, and I was thinking about Squirrel White when you guys were talking, and thinking about what Halsley said about Heupel when they get behind closed doors. How we've already seen this with Heupel. This guy goes down. We plug this guy in. At wide receiver, they have a completely different package for him than they had for this guy over here last year. We saw that with the two guys that are in camp right now. The guy up in New York is ripping it up right now. I mean, he's the he is the star of the camp. The, the New York media is all over this dude. Uh, speaking of uh, last year's Blitnikoff Award, which came out of nowhere, by the way. You yeah, wonder, Jalen Hyde. You look at yeah. what Jalen Hyde had had done before last season. Nothing. Nothing. Like, we weren't even talking about him before last year, were we, John? No, I wasn't. Pretty much all about Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And and then some about Brew McCoy because he was a transfer from Southern Cal, and he ended up catching 52 passes, but, which put him behind uh, Jalen Hyatt. But, yeah, so you look at what those guys did, and then, then Halsley even threw out all the good young receivers they have. Guys we don't even know about. I don't even know their names. Uh, signees and, and young players, how impressed he is with their skill in their quickness and speed. I'm telling you, this this offense, uh, you go back, not just last, the, the, to me, the most impressive stat of Josh Heupel's two years is the points per game, almost 40 in 2021. Almost 40 points a game in his first season when, when with a depleted roster, with a transition to a very unusual offense. And you, you don't know about these guys. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a highly talented roster offensively, I didn't think. Maybe I underestimated some people and how they would do in the system. But the result... If he could average almost 40 points a game with that talent on that roster, short, short-handed, yeah, it, it's that to me is a was a really significant stat. And then we saw that that team last year, of course, averaged 46, and you got a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. Uh, but this thing is not it's not slowing down. It's uh, this isn't, no, 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 no. This isn't an, it's not an aberration. It's not Butch Jones having back-to-back nine-win seasons in 15 and 16 with a lot of talent. It's a, a gathering lot. storm, John, is what it is. This thing is a – and 
talking to Sean Sinclair yesterday, my, my favorite thing about considering football season is that you don't have to wince when you think about it. You don't have to think about being embarrassed. You don't have to think about any of that. Um, here's the question, and, and John, I, I, I say this to you. Dixon, talk to me here. I want to ask Dixon something. And then 865-200-5402 if you want to talk some ball with us on a John Adams Thursday. Dixon, I think about Squirrel White. I think about what Hype said or what a Halsley said about Hype. Give me some creative ways you think, because we got to see a glimmer of this, right, at the end of the season last year. But really, they've had the full off season to get him fully acclimated. You know, it's kind of ownership of a position, that whole deal. There are so many things I could think of off the top of my head they could do with him. What are some of the ways you think we're going to see Squirrel White utilized, Matt? Uh, a, a lot of quick game stuff, like screens, um, maybe a handoff or two, you know, coming in motion mm-hmm. through the backfield. We we actually saw a lot of it those those last two games. I think mm-hmm. I want to say he had 17 catches in, in the two games that Milton started, uh, the, the Vandy and, and Orange Bowl. Uh, so I I think a lot of quick game stuff, and then you know I think I think is later in the Orange Bowl he had a kind of a deep shot where he got got behind the secondary, but just a, a lot of the a lot of the screens and things just to get the ball to him in space, which Tennessee does a really good job of 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 kind of playing the numbers game and getting getting guys in 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 spots with a numbers advantage. Uh, that that would be where I would look to him probably the most. Yeah, I can't wait to see all the ways, because I'm sure there are things, John, they're going to do with him that we haven't even thought about, and we're going to go, wow. Because their well, offense is so pretty. It's already but against it's, Clemson, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he, uh, again, he seems, uh, he's a real down-to-earth guy who seems, mm-hmm. he seems like the kind of guy that he's not, he can handle being successful. He's mm-hmm. comfortable in that role. He's very confident. It's not braggadocio. He he just is. He's very comfortable in what he can do. Uh, he's a likable guy to talk to. Him too. That's the most I had, had spoken to him before. But yeah, I really. I mean, I really think he he can be. He'll be an All SEC player. I really do. These guys are set up for a really special, special, special season. And um, no matter what happens, because when their offense takes the field, it's pretty special. And, and really, the only question mark remains what level, like Matt said, of consistency are you going to get at quarterback, and can you mitigate or minimize those turnovers? Because turnovers in this league are, are what gets you. I mean, invariably, especially when you have an offense like Tennessee, and you had – the complete luxury last year, last two years, of having a guy that not only didn't he turn the ball over, he didn't even come close to turning the ball over. Think about how good Hendon Hooker was in that offense. If it wasn't there, it wasn't going to that receiver. And most times people say, well, he was throwing the guys that were 15 yards wide open. Well, there's a, there's a method to that. I mean, he had to come to the line and recognize the 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 right receiver to get the ball to and quickly and moving at warp speed and about Milton you know Milton was okay last year at the end of the year uh, it'll be really interesting that's my 
to me, he's key one through four on this thing. You go one, two, three, four, and I don't think I'm making too much out of it because if he can do it, they're going to score a million points with this offense. That number was 46 last year. If they want to, they'll get in the 50s uh, this year with their offense if if they want to. In other words, they don't take the foot off the gas. And Nico will get to play a bunch too because nobody's stopping their offense. If that quarterback can play, the other th- the other issue is the offensive line's not as good as it was last year. So that's going to be even more incumbent on that quarterback to come to that line and get the ball out quickly. So those are you know that's a big that's a and that's a big a big if. But we'll come back on the other side. I want to hear from you. Eight six five two hundred five four zero two plus. Another day down. Another day closer to the musical chairs and the movement that exists. Uh, in major college football, because you can't have a day go by without hearing of another team, uh, another program. Yesterday it was Weatherford, who's a uh, Drew Weatherford, who's a member of the Board of Trustees of Florida State, basically saying, ACC, it's been nice to know you, but we're going somewhere else. Like, if you, if you think we're staying here while everybody else is moving, as they say where I came from, you're temporary insane. We'll come back on the other side. We got about ninety to play. Let's come back. It's John Adams on a Thursday, presented by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors. Matt Dixon in the house as well. Brian Hartman here. Tony Basilio there. Let's continue right after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919.
Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia to 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. This is Del Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, healthcare, churches, charities, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening.
Gypsy Kings featuring Tonino Baliardo return to Nashville with a concert that will take you on a trip down memory lane. The Gypsy Kings will be performing their greatest hits November 4th at TPAC Andrew Jackson Hall. For you to dance and enjoy an unforgettable night. Tickets on sale through toninobaliardo.com. A loud and live production. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Buongiorno, as we welcome you back. Tennessee basketball team in action tomorrow in uh, Italia. I've got the information over at uh, tclub.team if you want to check that out. We prepared a little report for you. Good luck. Good luck trying to find out information about Tennessee's opponent uh, tomorrow, the Lithuanian under-20 national team. I want to wish you a lot of luck trying to find a roster and some information on their club. And Hey, we, we dug and we tried, and myself and, and, and why we dug and we tried, and we did our best, and... Uh, there's just not much out there, but before we go back to our phones, Matt Dixon, will you be watching uh, tomorrow uh, those games? Well, that, that, that's what I was going to ask. I, I don't care about their roster. I just want to know if, if you or why found a Chinese stream that you can send me a link to. Well, let me see here. Uh, what is it on? I, I've got it up on the site if somebody wants to help me. Something called Flow Sports. There you go. Flow and go. Flow Sports. Is that an app? What is Flow Sports, Matt? I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but I think they're they're charging like thirty bucks for, for like, like a monthly subscription, so you could watch the three games, which seems a little me. <laughs> a little, a little. Kind of reminds me of. Um, John, it kind of reminds me of what the pack, whatever they are, is getting ready to do with Apple TV. You know, we were talking to Blake Topmeyer about this yesterday. I just don't think that college football fans around the country that might have tuned in to Pac-12 games are going to pay extra to watch that stuff late on Saturday night. I agree, Tony. I mean, I always watch Pac because I was often done with my work and I would watch Pac-12 games on a Saturday night. Uh, the uh, but this is, I, I just think we're reaching a saturation point about how many services do you want to pay for? It gets to the point where we say enough is enough. It, it the money for one doesn't sound that much, but when you just keep adding on, and you think you can what with what you have, you can watch all the other conferences all day long. Uh, do you really need a another one? I don't know what. I wonder what about uh, does a Mount, Mountain West has to have some kind of TV deal, doesn't it? Oh yeah, not well, only them. That, you see but, them? Are they yeah. still going to have their deal since ESPN is all in on SEC? Will they still have a deal with ESPN? Do you think? I guess sure. they will. It's going to make okay. their, their don't games. They have the, don't they have a deal with CBS where they play like an a, an early game? Is that right? Well, they, they were talking about that. I think CBS decided on something else. The issue is they were, and the thing that I think is really, really interesting about all this is it's going to help one of those leagues become 
bigger and better because truly, when you stop and think about it, it gives those leagues an opportunity if those other leagues go off television. And it's going to help their numbers. And this thing's all about numbers. And I think if you put a game on, people will look at it. They'll gamble on it. Sure. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving pieces right now, well, which I want to ask John. Go ahead, go ahead Brian. Mount West and, and Pac-12 might actually have to merge in some degree. Well, maybe. But, and, but, but in the meantime, I guess, is what we're talking about. Uh, if the Mount West is smart, they'd stay away from the Pac-12, and they'd just do their thing because they're existing as it is. And why do I need you? I mean, really, you need me more than I need you. So well, see, you, you hit the nail on the head right there, Tony. The Pac-12, you may see Pac-12 teams go to the Mountain West. Never would have thunk uh, it. Well, but, I mean, think That's about it, too. Like, crazy. You could see on Saturday night, you could watch <laughs> a Pac-12 game, say, on on Apple. Yep. Uh, you pay a little extra. Or you could watch... Uh, Fresno State play San Diego State on ESPN. Back to the phones we go. Let's get Richard in here. Has the Pac-12 not thought about Bill Walton and how this is going to literally kill that guy, the Conference of Champions, just disbanding? There's no way he can watch Apple TV in a cave in Thailand in the offseason. Like, what (laughs) what are they doing to the guy? Let's get (laughs) Richard. I love Bill Walton. Let's get. I love people that are authentic, and he is who he is. Let's get uh, Richard in here. He's up next with us. Richard, welcome. Oh, well, I tell you what, Tony. I don't think uh, we have to worry about Bill Walton, man, because he's always got some kind of stash, so I think he'll always be all right. So, oh, you've got that uh, right. He'll have a smile on hey, his face anyway. Yes, that guy can entertain himself in his own mind, so... There's no doubt about that. Hey, I, you know, this week, uh, interesting uh, conversation. I uh, hadn't been able a chance to get in and talk. Uh, you're talking about uh, the top five, top-plus coaches in the SEC and how you rank them. And so going to get in on that. And, um, you know, uh, maybe John Imes can get on that as you all had that wonderful discussion, And if you don't mind talking about that. Hit it. Give me your, uh, give me your top five, Richard. Okay, well, first of all, you know, it's a different criteria that you're thinking about. Are you looking at it from an overall what they've done over a track record over their whole career, mm-hmm. or are you talking about in the moment right now and what's happening in the SEC? Because I'm going to give you my top five from just looking at it from the moment right now. You got to um, hit it. Uh, of course, uh, Kirby Smart's going to be one um, because in the moment over the last five years what he's done is phenomenal and what he's done with the georgia program nobody can deny that and what he's done nick saban would be too uh, because again his winning track record and uh what he's done this program my number three tony is josh heifel because and this is the reason why i have him at number three ahead of some other coaches there is no other coach in america that inherited a program that was completely in jail um, NCAA jail, 65 scholarships, everybody abandoned. Everybody thought we were going to be the biggest joke for a long time because we had no players. It was weak. There was so much against us. And what he's done in just two years 
and putting us on the national map in year two. Because, Tony, that's when you really know if you have a head coach. Every really good head coach who's developed and had great programs always does it in year two, regardless of the situation they inherit. They always find a way to win big time in year two. That's how you can always tell a good track record of a really good head coach. And so, to me, that's why I have him at number three, just because of what all he had to fix and where he's got the Tennessee program at the moment right now. And so, therefore, then I'd probably put Brian Kelly four because he did a great job there last year. He's got talent at LSU. And then I'd probably um, put, um, I guess, you know, I'd put Jimbo there because he did finish top five two years ago, even though he's done less with more. And then Hugh Freeze, you know, at the moment he's got to come back and acclimate himself to the league. But there's no doubt uh, as he's recruiting well, he's going to do a great job of recruiting. And then Kiffin would come in, and then the rest of them following him behind it. John Adams, uh, Blake Topmeyer uh, uh, spurred us to some interesting conversation with his top five coach rankings, which is yeah, we did the beholder. We did that also on our SEC Unfiltered. We went one through fourteen, right, with our list. And uh, uh, I know, I think you know, Richard really knows his football, so I certainly respect his coaching list. However, I, mine wouldn't be, I would probably have, definitely when you're using the criterion of who would you hire, the way I looked at it, mm-hmm. you could hire a coach right now anywhere in America, mm-hmm. and you could get anybody you wanted. Who would you pick in the, from the SEC? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would pick uh, Kirby, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Saban still, number two. I mean, he just, you know, he missed playoff by a couple of plays. He's... Uh, He's still recruiting as well as anybody. Uh, then I would go with uh, I would go with Brian Kelly over Heupel because Brian Kelly's track record. Uh, he's won wherever he's been. He's rebuilt programs at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and LSU. And there's some similarities in what he and Heupel did. He came in went about it a little differently, but he won the West in his first year at S- at LSU, and like Heupel, beat Alabama. Uh, of course, you can look at it. Well, Tennessee destroyed uh, LSU at Tiger Stadium. That's true. But I just like his overall track record. He's been really good in the transfer portal. Uh, so just body of work. And then I would take Heupel four, Kiffin five, and I would have Hugh Freeze six. Hugh Freeze is already having an impact. He hadn't coached yep. a game at Auburn yet. Yeah, you you can can you can flip a five star from Alabama. Yeah, you're doing some recruiting and you got some NIL money behind you. And as we talked before, the value of desperation in this league. You see it with Tennessee not having won in a long time before Heupel, and uh, Auburn has a lot of that going for it. And we know he freezes track record, like Brian Kelly, uh, like. like Josh Heupel, uh, he's won wherever he's been, and that's that's a really good barometer. And Matt Dixon, you've had a chance now to digest it and think about it. What are your five today? Yeah, pretty similar to what we we talked about Tuesday. I, I got Saban and Kirby at one and two, uh, then a, a kind of a, a gap, and then Brian Kelly three, and then. I have Hugh Freeze four and, and Hypo five, um, but I'm, I'm not married to 
to I think you could easily flip Hypo and Freeze, but that 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 would be my top five. Those are five, in my opinion, all these lists, right? I mean, there are some sharks in the SEC. I don't think it's ever been harder in this league than it is right now. Texas and Oklahoma are getting ready to realize that. Their fan bases are. This thing, if you're not on your game, you're going to get run over. If you take your eye off the ball in this league, look at Dan Mullen. would be number three if he brought out Jimmy Drums to a recruit's house. No doubt about it. (laughs) Richard, any thoughts? Well, no, I mean, hey, uh, like you said, this this list is insane when you think about the coaching acumen that is in the SEC now and just overall. And, you know, it's going to be interesting going forward because this is going to be the last year of divisions. You know, next year it flips. Everybody's in the league. You know, we're still, you know, waiting to see how it will break out in the near future and stuff. So, you know, to me, next year kind of takes on a different animal and how things are going to be. Uh, divided out there amongst the mm-hmm. schedule and stuff like that. Uh, really looking forward to that. But again, going piggybacking on y'all's conversation uh, from also this week and and the conference realignment and what does the SEC got to do? You know, now they see the Big Ten is really on the move and what they're trying to do. But really, to me, Tony, it doesn't matter because what is what are we uh, honestly within the next couple of years? I think. Um, it's all going to be flipped on its head because it, there is going to be a 32-team super conference in football only, and it's going to be designed exactly like the NFL. And there's going to be uh, two two different conferences, and there's going to be divisions within each conference. It'll be a playoff structure and like a Super Bowl. That's where college, major college football is going to be. I don't know, three years, five years, but that's where we're headed because it's going to have to. And then that way the rest of the schools can form their stay in the NCAA, do whatever they want to try to keep their programs viable going forward. Because you just can't keep, you know, taking and building these different individual super conferences here and there. and It's just not going to work. Thank you, Richard. Great talking to you. One thing's for sure about these pigs, they'll find a way to pick it up as much as they can. In the meantime, before they get to their next iteration, which I want to get in, into that with John in hour number two. John's presented today by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors Online at SeniorsHelpingSeniors.com. If you've got a senior in your life who needs uh, some help with the chores of daily living, perhaps he's someone to take them shopping, perhaps needs some company, perhaps he's someone to take them to doctor's appointments, perhaps needs help with yard work, perhaps needs somebody to run errands for them. Uh, That is what Seniors Helping Seniors does. And if you're a senior and you're listening to me and you'd like to earn a little extra money, they're always looking for folks as well. So SeniorsHelpingSeniors.com for more information. Tell Ray you heard about it here on your Basilio show, and we thank you. And we thank them for presenting John Adams on Thursdays. You know, we'll go back to our phones, but we'll do so against the backdrop that, you know, here's one thought for you guys going into next year. What do these these conferences mean anymore? What's a conference title mean when you have a 12-team playoff? Why would I want to go out and risk injuring myself to win a conference championship? When now I have a 12-team playoff in front of me, John. Both those well, teams Tony. have already qualified out of this league. Both of those teams have already qualified 
for the playoff? Well, Tony, seeding is going to matter in this playoff, in a 12-team mm. playoff. Mm. I, th- I think it could be crucial. I-, I get your point about maybe the conference title itself doesn't mean as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're thinking about you going into the playoff, you're going into the playoff uh, with SEC teams, with Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, all those programs, they're not saying, okay, initially you might say, oh, my gosh, this is a watershed moment. We made a playoff. Well, Alabama, Tennessee could say that one time, but after that, and with those other schools, making the playoff is not the goal. The goal is to win a championship. So you've got to say, what, do, what gives me the best chance of winning a championship? And I would want to get... I would want to get a bye, and uh, I think the injury factor will loom large in a 12-team playoff. Well, that's so. my thing. So, so what I'm going to, John, is, look, I get what you're saying, and I guess the way they're going to lay it out right now, what we're hearing is the first four teams are going to get a bye, then the other eight teams will play on campuses in four games that first round. But, Matt, this is going to lead to, a, I think, a devaluing of these championship games simply because would I rather risk getting somebody hurt or, and that's going to happen, you're going to get people hurt in those games, or would I rather punt and take my chances if I'm a Georgia or an Alabama and just punt the game? And I, I think there's a, I think it really devalues these conference championships, Matt. I don't think people have thought that through, but I think that's going to happen. It's been one of my big talking points about expanding the playoffs and devaluing the regular season. An SEC championship is not going to mean hardly anything anymore. Um, it, it will factor into seeding, like like John said, but there will be times when that works against the team. Uh, maybe you have a team that maybe say they're fourth and in position to, to get a bye, and maybe they lose in Atlanta. And not only do they not get the bye, but maybe, maybe they have to go on the road in the playoff, you know, then. Um, I think that could happen to, to teams. But I, I just I, – it, it's, a, it's a really good point that people – I don't think people have really thought about and it won't, won't really realize it until it happens um, that, you know, conference, conference championships. You know, we saw Georgia, what was it? I guess when they won their first Natty two years ago – they pretty much punted that SEC title game in the third quarter when, when you know, and Alabama kind of ran it up on them, and because they knew that they could get them again, you know, a month later. Uh, and, I, and I think you will see things like that. And teams, I think teams will probably start treating the SEC championship game kind of like they do basketball and, and baseball tournament, where it's great if we win, but if we don't, it's not the end of the world. And, and really, in a lot of ways, it could benefit you to not play in it. I think that's right. But let's go back to the phones. And we'll get the man they call, Joshy Boy. What's up, Josh? What's up, guys? Morning. Tony, uh, what happened to your Phillies last night? I uh, had a 5 nothing lead. Lost a game. Trey Turner has completely lost himself. He was 1-for-6 last night. He scored two runs because he made the final out in two of those extra innings so that he got to be the ghost runner twice. 
Uh, and he just keeps making the final out. I mean, he was one for six last night. He's hitting 240-something now. He's fielding at an all-time brutal clip, and the game would have been over last night. A ball hit to him that he could not keep in the infield, not let alone get through. And most major league out infielders make the play. He let the ball yeah. get through him. Uh, they just announced he's batting eighth today in their noon start. Wow. And that's two spots too high for me because I would take him, put him on the bench for about a week because he is cooked. Well, that How much is he making, Tony? 30-something million a year, John. That's, and you talk uh, about a guy much. lost. That poor guy is lost in space, John. When athletes, you can see their body language when they go. Some guys just need some time off, and he's one of them. I think you guys just overpaid for Trey Turner. Um, interesting. Yeah, but uh, I think, uh, Tony, I think the Phillies rake today because uh, Johnny Cueto for the Marlins is on the mound for the pitching for them today, and I think the Phillies rake against them. Johnny Cueto, the former red leg. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tony, my first question is, Mm -hmm. what do you think? I kind of disagree with Matt Dixon's Mm -hmm. list. Well, one name in that list. I would replace Josh Heupel and put him above Brian Kelly because after what the Vols did to LSU and that October game and what Josh Heupel is going to do in the future – I think Heifel deserves to be over Kelly. Matt, how many times in his career has Brian Kelly won 10 games? What's that number, Matt? Matt had to jump off, but I could look that up. It's nutty. It's nutty, the number. But here's the thing about Brian Kelly. Josh, Brian Kelly, one of the reasons Cincinnati's in the Big 12 right now is Brian Kelly coached there. He started it. He was their Tony Vitello. Yeah. And and he did it with limited facilities. And then he went to Notre Dame. And in, compared to the guy that's there now, wanted an incredibly high clip. And the two people that preceded him wanted an incredibly high clip. Um, he got Butch Jones two jobs. He got Butch Jones a Tennessee job. That's how good Brian yeah. Kelly was. Yeah, he Butch did. Jones shouldn't have gotten it within miles. I'm just telling you. That's a semantics argument when you start looking at three through five. Because John Adams, to me, you could order those guys any way you want to order them and kind of be in the conversation. Sure, I really Tony. believe that. I mean, I, I, love, uh, I love what Josh Heupel has done at Tennessee. I lo- His team is not only good, though, it's so entertaining. I mean, if I were, if I were a fan and I wasn't watching, yeah, I didn't have any – great interest in any one team it's on a saturday and then tennessee's playing i would want to watch tennessee simply because well how many points could it score against virginia or austin p even in a one-sided game it's so entertaining uh but when i'm yeah ranking coaches i can't go against that you got to look at the track record i can't go against kelly's track record you spelled it out probably the best thing you could say about Brian Kelly is he was such a good coach. Butch Jones could win at the program he left behind. 
He's won gone out. Ten, 10 win seasons is what he's had. How many? Wow. 10. Wow. Yeah, wow. We've, had, uh, we've had 14 in the history of the school here. I mean, that guy's pretty yeah. good, Josh. But I think if you give it time, I think Heifel, I think he'll surpass Kelly on that list. What do you think, Tommy? Oh, I think that the thing that's interesting about that list is if you go back and you go through time and you look at that list, there have been a bunch of names outside of Saban's name that cycle off that thing. It's really hard to stay in that top three or four in this league. I would put Saban first, personally, yeah, because I, I think until too. he's out of the game, he's the best coach yeah. in the deal. And he's got, like, this fever that burns inside of him where he's always going to have great players. Yep. And Alabama this year, Alabama this year might just go off and win the whole thing. Who the heck knows? Yeah, they might. Uh, you know, and but Kirby Smart, Saban's been so good that you could say that about a, You could say that about Saban, even though the guy that's won two consecutive national championships and has an NFL football team this year is in in the conversation. He is how he's not number one on everybody's list. That's just how good Saban is. That's how much I respect him. He's going to have trophies named after him one day. Uh, you know, this guy's an all-time great, if not the all-time great. I hate to say all that because he never smiles and he's joyless and he's been bad for college football, but whatever. Yeah. Um, bah humbug, yeah. Bah humbug, yeah. The guy's a Grinch. But, you know, um, you just got to give him credit. Josh Heupel, if he were a stock, I'd still be buying him because I don't think he's hit his highs yet. I would still be buying him. We could be wrong. They could figure his offense out. You know, we could we could be wrong here, and they could yeah. figure his offense out tomorrow. But I, uh, I just don't see that happening anytime soon, man. Tony, one more thing on the way out. After uh, the Phillies game was over last night, Skip oh. Schumacher from the Marlins, he took that clipboard. Right, you're out of here. Stick a fork in him. Fork in him. You're not going to do that to me, you clown. Let's keep it live and legal here in then hour two. Live and legal. Hour number two on the radio, 865-200. Hold off on that, Brian. 865-200-5402 if you want to join. I uh, would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Matt had to run. He is now on assignment. Matt Dixon is. So John Adams is uh, live and in living color. John, the interesting thing about that coaching list deal is that Jimbo Fisher's name would have been at the top of it at one point. And he's if he doesn't have a good season this year, he's finna get fired. Yeah. Well, that speaks to the depth of coaches. I mean, it's just a couple of years ago that his team was on the cusp of the playoff. Yep. Uh, I know he had a bad year last year. I expect A&M to be, be much better. But if you look at his body work... And he's on he's on the decline. You're not buying his stock. But yeah. when I when I look at my top seven coaches in the SEC, if I was hiring somebody, yep. and, and I said yeah, I said Kirby, Nick, uh, Brian Kelly, Josh Heupel, Lane Kiffin five, Hugh Freeze six, Jimbo Fisher seventh. Yeah, that's half of the league. Half so, of the league, isn't that crazy? Half of the league, and you look at the body of work on those guys. Yep. Uh, 
And here's another thing, Tony. If you add Texas, we talk about adding Texas and Oklahoma next year. Texas yep. with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Oklahoma, maybe with uh, Brett Venables. Yep. Uh, but would either one of those guys, the seven coaches I've just mentioned, would you put yep. any either one of those two guys ahead of them? You might. Would you take Steve Sarkeesian over Jimbo Fisher? Boy, I, I, Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, and and Lane Kiffin's less accomplished than Sarkeesian. The thing Lane Kiffin has going for him, John, is he took that never was program at Florida, and God knows what they did to get the ball players they did. But he made a matter for a moment. Which you got to give the guy credit for that. That's his accomplishment. That is his accomplishment so far. Well, Lane I Kiffin thought... gets more love for being Lane Kiffin, John. He gets in those lists. Hugh Freeze belongs in that list way before Lane Kiffin belongs on any list like that. Hugh Freeze beat Saban twice. He's one of three coaches alive that can say that. And the truth is that he probably got too close to the flame, which is why he got run out of the league. Um, but you are so right about him. He's always going to get, but he's a, I don't trust him. You don't trust him, but we're not parents and we haven't been exposed. We've been exposed to him. We know his game. He is a sweet talker. He's a country dandy. He's a smooth dude. He is cringeworthy to us that know who he is, but those people don't know who he is. And so they don't know him. And so he's going to win games, and he's going to win a bunch of games, and he's got a great offensive system himself. Not only that, he's a really good coach. I mean, forget Very all good. the stuff, yep, all the baggage and whatever, yep. and even the recruiting. He wins wherever he goes, Yep, and he can coach. Uh, he can recruit and coach. Yep. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian... Has been at places where you should win. Yes, he's been at Washington, Southern Cal, and he's been at Texas. Mm -hmm. You should win at all those places. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't he hasn't exceeded expectations wherever he's been. And that's why I would, you know, I would take Kiffin uh, over Sarkeesian. He's I mean, it's easily forgotten, but I remember what he – I know he, he left on awful terms yep. with Tennessee, but the difference he made with the talent he had that Philip Fulmer left him. Yep. I mean, Tennessee went, what, 5-7 and seven in 08 in that last yep. season under Fulmer. Easily could have could have gone 4-8, and eight, and it was 5-7. and seven. And then he comes in and wins 7-12 seven, seven games, lost a bowl game. And I look at what he did with the quarterback, Jonathan Crompton, completely changed him for the better. True, true. And, and so what I'm saying is, and then he, what he did at Florida Atlantic, uh, Ole Miss, he improved Ole Miss immediately. Um, so I'm probably higher on Kiffin than you are. And I'm not saying, you know, it, when it comes down, who would I hire right now for a coaching job? Hype away and, before him, right? Oh yeah, I mean I have way before. I mean, Heupel is four, to me is solidly fourth, uh, yeah. and and he trails those other guys who have a much bigger track record. Of course, Kirby, Nick, and and then Brian Kelly. 
and then it gets after Heupel. I mean, that's – but Kiffin does some of the same things Heupel does. There's just an uncertainty about Lane. That's right. What's going to happen tomorrow? That's right. And you could – yeah, you could say that – I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Hugh Freeze. But I don't, I don't see him leaving Auburn. Hugh Freeze. Oh no, never. He's going to be. He's a great hire for them. He, yeah, you know, he's like see, the ultimate underdog. Kiffin. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. No, no, you're right. Because he's like yeah, the ultimate I mean, underdog Freeze, guy, John. Yeah. I don't understand why Auburn didn't hire Hugh Freeze, but when it hired Brian Harson, and I wrote that. I mean, why wouldn't you hire Hugh Freeze then? I think Auburn, even in the non-NIL era, should have hired Hugh Freeze from the very beginning because they've always been a little bit of an outlaw-type program, and he's an outlaw. He's perfect for them. He always was perfect for them. And he's got this outlaw thing. And now there's no such thing as being an outlaw. No, there are no outlaws. No, so he's so charming. That's what people don't understand about him. He really has that gift he could have been a great TV evangelist, and I'm not kidding. He'd be raking in millions if he did that. He's got that charm thing about him, like where you know Bruce Pearl's got it, where you know they're lying to you, you know they're playing you, but you reach into your wallet anyway, and you give them what's in your wallet. And that's a gift. And that is Hugh Freeze. That, that is an absolute gift. Well, Guy's gifted. I, I just think. I think he wasn't necessarily blackballed from the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conference commissioner can't prevent a, a school from hiring a coach. He doesn't have that power. I mean, if the university president says, we're hiring this guy, but he can make it known, I'd really rather you not hire such and such mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. You know? And, Tony, I'm still, we, we're talking about all these guys and, you know, with baggage, Lane Kiffin with baggage. We're talking mm-hmm. about Hugh Freeze with baggage. But guys that we, based on the track record, those guys will win. So, and I wrote this column a while back, but during media days, when is somebody just going to open up the vault for Urban Meyer and make him an offer he can't refuse? He's guaranteed wins. And he's he's never... He's never put a program on NCAA probation. There is, is it Oklahoma? Is that where he's going? Man, I, I can't that feel that way, doesn't it? If I, you look at it, look. it's either it's either Oklahoma or Texas, John. If because those if schools want, have more yeah. money than sense, and they're they're not going to sit there and just get lapped in this deal. Probably Oklahoma ahead of them. Uh, probably would would be how I'd rank that. It would just be a question of where. Irving Meyer only goes to places where he can win big. He's That's got right. the track record. He doesn't have to, doesn't need the money. So he's only right. going somewhere where he can win a championship, obviously. So Both those if you're places. one of those schools, yep. if you're if I were head of Oklahoma right now and Urban Meyer said, man, I'd like to, like to run your football program, I'd call Brett and tell him, here, Brett, we're, we're writing you a check right now, and we wish you the best. Thanks for you know, bridging the gap, yep. and uh, you know, be on your way. But you're no longer a coach, and he then could, I'd hire Urban Meyer. He could I'd hire him in, in August to DC, probably. You could just leave him there as DC. Yeah, move him to DC, and uh, yeah, nice so knowing we'll, you. Yeah, you'll have be a good high, life. We'll make you, yeah, we'll make you the highest paid DC yeah. in the country. 
You're not a head coach. I, I don't know. Here's the college football is so fun right now because you got all this movement, you got all this nuttiness, and then you got Urban Meyer kind of creeping around. And Tennessee's got one of the funnest teams in the country, which you know all politics are local. It wasn't a very fun game a couple years ago under Pruitt when you had a, oh, when you had a Gitmo at quarterback, and you know 24 points was a great day in your output, and the reading recognition at the line of scrimmage was miserable, and Kentucky was boat racing you in your building. It's amazing. I sit here today, month out from football season, and I just say to myself, self, how did we get here? Where did this guy come from? And this can't be real. I just keep saying that to my and I, look, I'm a Negadelphian, which is what we call each other in, in Philly, all the negative Philly fans. And when people say Negaval, I mean in my inner my inner Negaval child uh, those of you that are in the psychology, my inner Negaval child, I keep saying to myself, "This guy's too normal. This is too normal. This is this is what it should have been for a long time here." John, this guy when he gets before a microphone, doesn't snow you. He doesn't blow you. He doesn't show you. Betty Davis eyes. He doesn't do all those things. He just kind of had a normal press conference the other day. There is no games. Nobody falls on helmets. He's recruiting kind of normal people. His coaches are kind of normal. I mean, John, this thing is weird, man, for what we're used to well, here. Yeah, in, in what he is. He, he's not a performer. No. And that works. That works for some guys. I think the most important thing in, in any line of work, you got to be yourself. And uh, he's not a charmer like Hugh Freeze. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't attack social media the way Lane Kiffin does on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Oh but he, if if he wasn't a really good coach, people wouldn't give him a second thought. You, if you want to hire a coach, and you see, and he has no track record, you go very much, or he has a slight track record. You go on an appearance, and you yep. go on a presentation. That no. doesn't win any games. It might get you a job, but it doesn't win games. And and I think that's what pe- one of the things people like about Josh Heupel. He's not he's not a strong interview. I mean, he's nice. He's you, you feel he's down to earth. You're comfortable with him, but yep. he's not going to write a story for you. He's not going to tell you that one of his players injured his eye because he fell on a helmet in the locker room. Those Florida fans got to be sick at their stomach to know that that guy was coaching 90 minutes in their campus. Well, they yeah, never even yeah. looked at him. That's got to make them, because that's he's Spurrier. Steve, he's Steve Spurrier without the quips. And, uh, it's so, crazy. Yeah, that's, and it's, that's what's so refreshing to, to yeah. Tennessee. And it underscores the point, Tony. It doesn't matter where your school is or what its standing is. If you hire a great coach, and maybe it's too early to say Josh Heupel's a great coach, but I think he will become one. I think he will end up being Tennessee's best coach since General Neyland. And I I think he'll stay here for quite a while. If the, the NFL would be, I don't see him leaving for a college job. I see him going to the NFL if, if that's what he wants to do uh, to maybe uh, prove how good his system is that I can make this work against the best of the best. But... It's just, uh, it's so different. If you've got that kind of coach, 
Yep. I mean, you look at you go back. You look at college football programs. I mean, yep. Florida never won an SEC championship until Spurrier got there. Forget national titles. Never won an SEC championship. We come uh, back on the other side. I, I want to get your thoughts. Our conversation we're having. I, John opened it up an hour or so ago with the thought that his impression after being around Tennessee's program this week is that special things are in store. Also, I want to get into this with him, conference realignment stuff, which is just, um, it, 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 it's, it moves at a glacier pace, but yet when it happens and those plates shift under you, it's earthquakeish because it totally scrambles and re-scrambles the board. And we had a caller last hour say that this iteration that we're seeing right now is probably temporary. I agree with that. The question becomes, do you have two power leagues when it's done? Do you have three? Do you have none? I want to get John's thoughts on that and where we're heading because if I'm a Virginia Tech fan and I'm listening to me right now, I'm thinking to myself, self, I don't know about that, self. I don't know if I'm going. I don't know if I'm, there's going to be a seat for me at the table. And there are several major programs that are in that category. I'll ask Sean if he were the Southeastern Conference, who are the four he'd go out and get? Because there's going to be four more. They're going to go to twenty. I mean, you just see it coming. You, you can, you can absolutely see. It. So we'll do that. We'll continue on the other side. It's a Thursday edition. I'm with you for. Uh, the duration of our radio show, no OT today, since I'm going to get my uh, special needs brother Steve and hang out with him, and I appreciate the grace and your understanding in that. But we'll uh, take a brief time out and continue after that. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. Hello, it's me, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. July reminds me of red, white, and blue. If you were born in July, your birthstone is the ruby, king of the precious stones, for its rarity, hardness, second only to diamonds. We have a beautiful collection from earrings to rings, modern and antique. If you were born in July, we'll take 10% off your purchase. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call mepainfree.com or call 615-551-9224.
In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at automobilekeys.com. You can email us at cody at automobilekeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers! All right. Welcome back, everybody. I have got Miles Johnson from Foodland on the phone. He's going to tell us what specials we have. Miles, what kind of deals you got for us this week at uh, at Foodland? Well, this week we have ground beef for two ninety nine a pound, whole New York strip five ninety nine a pound, iceberg lettuce a dollar forty nine each, twenty ounce Gatorade three for four, and Coca Cola twelve packs two for twelve. All right, fantastic! And of course, we're celebrating back to school with all the kids going back. And uh, your sales run through Tuesday, August eighth. And uh, as always, you guys are open seven days a week. 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. located very conveniently right there um, near the post office. So people need to come in and check it out. And uh, and if anybody needs anything, they can ask one of your great staff because uh, you have an amazing staff. So, Miles, thank you as always. Uh, and again, we'll talk to you next week, okay? All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Have a good day. You too. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. T to the B, back with you. i got to give it up for this age and era we're living in. Because, uh, you know, the Smokies are doing their TikTok night tonight, and TikTok's a thing. And Did you guys see what happened? Brian, did you see? I linked it today over at tclub.team. There's a kid at Clemson that got thrown off their football team. 
And the reason he got thrown off is pretty 2023. It's he has an OnlyFans account. Pretty creepy. And he, yeah, he has an OnlyFans account, and he went in there and filmed some scenes from their dressing room of his teammates and put it on his OnlyFans account, Bri. Uh. Now, I would think that that's not only a really stupid guy, but a really stupid guy, John. Not only is he really stupid, but he's pretty stupid. My goodness. Um, I'm sure his life will take a turn for the better. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he, well, he transferred. I think he did he transfer to Ole Miss? I think he did. He just got kicked. He got kicked off their team, and then word came out. Or maybe he's the second guy that's gotten kicked off. But at any rate, uh, uh, follow our me boy Chad down Kelly's footsteps. Our yeah, boy down there at Clemson. Our boy down there at Cle- over there at Clemson, who never has anything wrong with him because their program's perfect, has had a hiccup or two here uh, recently. But let's go back to our phones and we'll get our next call in. As it's Hoosjaval, Ryan Hoosjaval. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Tone? Um, in reference to your previous comment, did did this young man opt out of the bowl game though? Now he might film people without their consent for lewd purposes, but did he opt out of the bowl game? Because they don't do that at Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> that play-by-play guy when he was on with us, and he goes, "I go any opt outs?" He goes, "We don't do that here." Because Dabo yeah. has, it was like almost like a cult. I go, of course you're going to have opt-outs, man. We're, we're, you know, I guess now, they were so used to playing. That, but, well, know. they were so used to playing in playoff games. Obviously, you're not going to opt out of playoff games. But, hey, that's the era we're living in. Only fans accounts and opting out of the Orange Bowl. Uh, you, you wouldn't have convinced me we'd see this, but that, welcome to that, 2020, 2023. That and the Northwestern stuff is some of the weirder things I've mm. heard in a while related mm. to football. Mm. But uh, on to lighter notes. Um, yep. Not to crack on the all-time GOAT caller, that is Titans Bill, but based on Titans Bill's list of Italian gangsters, I would have assumed he would have Jim Harbaugh as his best SEC coach. But uh, Well, the other day, John um, – Titans Bill called in. We, we did an Italian-themed show on Friday because we were live at the Italian Festival, um, which was really a wonderful thing, uh, Tally Town that went on. Um, and, and I want to thank Bill Claiborne and his folks for putting that on. It was a tremendous festival. But Titans Bill called in and said his favorite Italian was Meyer Lansky. I laugh so hard. It's so funny. Adams Meyer Lansky's Titans Bill's favorite Italian. Uh, well, Titans Bill, uh, he marches to the sound of a different drummer, doesn't he? It kind of doesn't get any better than that. Hey, Lansky ends in a vowel tone. Give him some credit. You know. Well, it, it sort of doesn't get any better than that, but what are you going to do? And then Brian, unfortunately, cut him off two days ago, John. When he called in with his top five list of um, SEC coaches, and he didn't have Saban in it because he quote unquote cheats, <laughs> and he he got blown up for that too. So, oh well. So Nick Saban's well, the only coach in the SEC that's ever cheated. I think Titans that's Bill Titans saying, Bill's. Uh, yeah, I think that's Titans Bill's take. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. Well, 
Well, times, Bill, you're the goat. My top five is for today. You have to have Saban over Curb. Mm-hmm. But Saban, Kirby, but I get John's point. If you were hiring today, Kirby's much younger, so that would be the better hire. I'd go Brian Kelly, Heupel, and Freeze. But um, Josh Heupel, I've watched a lot of college football in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy up at Washington that was supposed to be this amazing coach, when he had that Boise State team and they did those really cute trick plays that were so mm-hmm. famous, those plays were gimmicky, and they probably would never work again. Josh Heupel is one of the few coaches last year, and two of them involved Jalen Hyatt, where he was playing chess when everyone's playing checkers. I've never seen more beautiful play calls that would work a 100 times more than Hyatt's second touchdown, where he's going one way and all the backers go this way and then the other way, and Saban just didn't see it coming, and Heupel dumped it off to him. He scored. And that uh, Missouri call where he was, like, hiding as the fullback and did that wheel route. Those were two of the best play calls I've ever seen. So I understand why maybe Heupel should be third because, man, that guy is something else. Pretty well put, John, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. We're in an offensive era. And uh, give credit to Kirby Smart. He's a defensive guy. Nick Saban's a defensive guy. They are succeeding in an offensive era, but it's almost now, and they've adjusted. They know you're not going to shut somebody out unless it's TCU in a national championship game. Georgia came close, but um, I, I just, I just think uh, you want to get an offensive guy in today's world, and I'm wondering how long it will take Joey Hosley, Tennessee's new offensive coordinator, to climb the ladder and become a head coach somewhere because if this offense keeps rolling you know how it goes in college football if your offense just keeps rolling you're gonna hey we want to run that offense and if you can't hire josh heupel who will you hire tennessee lost the offensive coordinator last year to south florida uh i think joe joey halsley's on a fast track uh we we may see different this year but I think there's a good chance he will do well, and as the offense continues to do well, if you if you're looking for an assistant coach, that's the kind of guy you'd hire. Go back to when Kirby was hired by Georgia. I mean, there was a real risk in hiring Kirby Smart. Yep. Let's look at yep. two defensive-minded coaches, core yep. defensive coordinators, who've ex- excelled at big-time programs. Well, there's Kirby Smart. There's a guy named Jeremy Pruitt. So there, is, uh, there yeah. is a gamble. I mean, Kirby Smart never been a head coach. I think Oklahoma is going to find that out with Venable. Hey, I never dreamed in a million years hype will be this good, guys. John, um, did Daryl Royal at Texas invent the triple option, more or less? Emory Ballard that, did. Um, but on his when staff, I think of triple it, option, yeah. Wasn't Texas like wish, but, the first team that really did it? Yeah, the wishbone um, okay. offense. Emory, and then Emory became the uh, head coach at Mississippi State. Really good coach. He had some uh-huh. success there. He had John Bond, at quarterback, who could run that run that offense. Uh, and you forget, I mean, you uh, how good the wishbone was initially. P. 
people figured it out. What that what I thought was really interesting about that offense, you know, that Texas starts it and yeah. you know is great with it. Then its biggest rival, Oklahoma, takes the same <laughs> offense and gets even better players and, and is is even better than Texas at it. That that was kind of fun. Is is Heupel's play calling like when you watched teams play those Texas and Oklahoma teams that literally they've never seen this offense and like the other side is like what are we doing here it, and it's not like a trick play like the cutesy hook and ladder that Boise State did those were uh-huh. famous great play calls but th- those have no lasting power that never works again Heupel it's like the other side's like my God what just happened to me. And it's going to keep happening. It's so fun to watch. I hope it continues. But well, the the thing, Ryan, is the uh, the wishbone. People caught up to the wishbone and figured it out, uh-huh. and it did have limitations. Now, I believe you can succeed with it, um, <clears throat> sort of in the short term. But I don't think you could win a championship with it. If you took the most talented team in the country, let's say Georgia ran the wishbone now. Sure. I don't think it could win a national title with that offense. Now, it would win 10 yeah. games but I, because yeah. you've got to be able to throw the ball. What I like about Heupel's offense, it's not really gimmicky. It's based on no. sound no. principles. Uh, you spread the field, and you have a lot of different options of what the receiver's going to do based on the defense, and then you just speed everything up. And uh-huh. that creates confusion. Uh, talking to Tamron McDonald, Tennessee's uh, DB, uh, the other day, I asked, I asked him about defending the offense, and he said, even in practice, we, you know, they see it every day. We get confused sometimes. And he said, I can't imagine what it's like would be like to try and defend it in front of a hundred thousand people. So think about it. You, you, the crowds, the crowds roaring. Uh, you know, there's pressure, and then you've got to make these quick reads. So the offense is based on really sound principles, and I just don't know. Maybe you get better at defending it, but it's not like trying to figure out the wishbone. And and you can do so many yeah. things off this. I mean, Tennessee's even run a, a little option with it. Uh, so that you can do so many things with it, and again, the basic principle of spreading the field, and if you don't have a defensive line and a front seven that can, can stop the run, and you have to use your safeties, then you're in even bigger trouble. You're in because you just can't defend that passing game. Your safeties have got to be totally; they've got to be dedicated to the pass. So you almost need a Georgia-like defense. To stop him, and look at George's defense last year, when you had the uh, when you had the big guy at over center, and uh, Jalen Carter, he's going to take up two blockers. Georgia yeah. didn't need safety help against Tennessee. No, yeah. but but how many? I, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody. I don't know who else last season didn't need safety. Uh, everybody kind of did. Georgia was an exception because it has. Tony talked about it earlier, rare NFL talent, and it will again this season. But it, you've got to be able to do that 
or, or you're in trouble. That's why, to me, against average teams, uh, it's re- they're going to have so much trouble against Tennessee. Average talent. A friend of mine uh, texted me, and he's already looking at betting lines. And the line he saw was Tennessee 28 over Virginia. I'll be and disappointed he, if we win by 28. That I, We're going to win by at least 42 if we're being nice to them. Because Nico's well, going to get in there and toss three touchdowns. Well, but go back, Ryan. Don't you think uh, – I forgot what the opening line on that game was. But it was lower. The line's going up. I think that I'm right on that. I thought it was like a few points under that. Maybe I'm wrong. But – Virginia will be much worse than Vanderbilt, in my opinion. If I was well, who would win a yeah, game Virginia Vanderbilt, oh, yeah. I'd pick Vandy. Well, he but, said, hey, and my friend's point is, I really like Heupel, but Heupel, but I said, that's too. It just seems like so many points in an opener. But if you look at Heupel against average teams, I mean, should look what he did to Missouri and. Last season, oh, he's Look got what that he did to in yeah. He's got that Spurrier where uh, he don't have no qualms beating someone by fifty. He doesn't care, and it's no, great. It's exactly. And, and look at now, and a lot of it has. He's not going to stop running his system. He's not going to the I formation or the triple option because he's ahead by four touchdowns. And he got. He's going to bring in his backup quarterback, uh, Nico. Uh, Iyama Lava, I think I got that right. He, he's going to bring him in. He's not going to start handing it off to the running back every play. No, no, and he's, no, no. He's very talented. So I always, when I look at a large spread, um, I always say take Tennessee. <laughs> well, hey, this is Thank so you, much Ryan. more fun than two Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the call, man. Always good to talk to Ryan. 865-200-5402. Let's do this. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. Z-Man and Rusty, everybody's going to speak. Let's do that. We continue. John Adams presented by our friends at Team Self Seniors. It is your Friday edition. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. 
American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. The Kiwanis Club and Columbia Main Street are partnering to create the best event of the season, the annual Kiwanis Chili Cook-Off and the new Main Street event, Fall Fest on the Square. This will be held September 30th, 3 to 7 p.m., downtown Columbia. There will be music, food trucks, vendors, and entertainment by the renowned Journey Band, Majestic. For more information, visit the Kiwanis of Columbia Facebook page and click the Events tab or go to www.visitcolumbia.com. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. TV back. We just get the Z-Man in here. Z-Man, welcome in. Hey. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. How are we ranking these coaches? Are we ranking them based upon what we think they'll be or their body of work? Or how are you guys ranking them? John. John there. Uh, I, 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 John's criteria today that he came with was if I'm hiring, who am I hiring? Oh, okay. 
I, th- I think you have to go Saban, and then you have to go Brian Kelly. Um, huh? Any guy that can win at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and, and then prove that he can do it at a very high level at Notre Dame and now be given, you know, all the tools necessary. He, by far, I mean, to me, he, he's got to be your second top coach in the league with with what he's done and what he continues to do. In his first year, he took LSU to, to, the, uh, to the title game, um, beat Alabama, you know, in his first year. Uh, yep. And then I think you would go with Smart, and then probably Hugh Freeze. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the guy's won at every level. He even won at Liberty, uh, which is very hard to do. Uh, and then I'd probably go with Heupel. Uh, I think that's just a an unbiased look at it, uh, you know, as far as their body of work. I think Fisher would be six. Uh, even though he's won a uh, he's won a national title, didn't he? Didn't he win one? Of yeah, he sure did with Jameis Winston. He sure did. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's sort of how I would I would compare them. And, and Tony, let me ask you this question, and, yep. and John too, if he's back. Uh, do you think that the great coaches, like we've seen, we've seen Saban have one of his worst teams in his first year? that lost to Louisiana Monroe. And Kirby Smart had his worst team when the balls went down and threw the Hail Mary in the end zone because they should have beat us that game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these coaches don't get worse, I guess, so to speak. Maybe their recruiting drops off in in some regard or, you know, different things. But the, the coaches themselves don't get worse. So, my question to you guys would be, if that's the case, and Heifel won 10 games last year, what makes us think that his worst team wasn't his first team when he won nine? So, in other words, what makes us think that his players coming in and all the guys that he's recruited, he's going to take a step back all the way to his like first year? Or do we think that He's essentially going to remain at nine and ten wins, wins a year. You know, maybe even surprise us and hit eleven some years, um, or or you know maybe even go undefeated if if we can. But that that's just my question because I never saw that with Urban Meyer. I never saw that with with Furrier. I never saw that with um, you know the great coaches. And I know you've kind of tried to take this pressure off this coach, and I think that's a good thing, Tony. But at the same time, great coaches don't do that. And, and I guess that's my, my question to you guys. What makes you think that he's going to take a step back to win only as many games as he had in his very first year with, the, with I would say, his worst talented team? Thank you, thank you for the call. I just don't trust the quarterback, so... I just say it out loud, so people don't like that. But um, let's go back to our phones, and um, we'll get our next call in. As uh, it's Rusty, then Lee. Rusty, hello. Hey Tony, you got me. You got it, brother. Hit it. Hey, um, 
I kind of agree with the last guy. With Saban's clearly won, and it's not close because I, I, I'm trying to base this off who I think is a great football coach and is maybe, and is the best football coach. Regardless, I get the hiring tomorrow part of it, but I still it's it's not close. Everywhere he goes, he's going to win. Michigan State, LSU. Uh, Alabama, all those places, all those places were in disarray when he got there, and they all quickly were elite. Um, Brian Kelly has went to places that were in disarray when he got there, and then they're quickly elite. Now I know, I know, Orgeron left Brian Kelly plenty of talent in Baton Rouge when he got there last year, but I still think he's done it at, at four different stops now where places hired him because they needed a coach to come in and, 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 and clean things up or make things better. So I got him at two. I agree with the previous caller. Um, both of those guys are old now, though, but they both approved it. Um, after that, here's my question about Kirby. How great of a football coach is he? Did he take over a program that was already elite? that Mark Rick had been really good at for a long time but could never win that last game of the season but was really, really good. And he walked in while they were an elite program and has just taken over the program. And who would not have won the national championship last year with his defensive roster? He built it, but who? how many coaches could you have put on the sidelines in Athens last year and that coach not have won a national championship? John, no, that's the deal, though. The, the concept of he built it. I mean, that's the whole concept, though, isn't it? Sure. But did he build it, or did he step into a program that was already rolling? Well, he took over a program that was winning, but it wasn't winning championships. I think to take it to the next next level in the SEC is very difficult. You see, Butch Jones had two back-to-back nine-win seasons here, but he couldn't take it any further. Uh, I think Kirby Smart is really... Smart, uh, for lack of a better word. I, I think he's uh, he's a tremendous motivator. He has tremendous energy. And you see that energy in recruiting. He's a relentless recruiter. So is Nick Saban. Kirby's also a really good defensive mind, and he's also good at hiring. Uh, so all those things figure into it. But one of the best things he does is it's hard to motivate guys when you're winning all the time. And you're going to slip up. Everybody does. But consistently, his teams win at a high level, and he is able to get teams to play their very best when it matters most against the very competition. And not everybody can do that. I don't believe just anybody would have gone in there and won a national championship with Georgia's talent. Not at all. I think Kirby had everything in place. He had the right offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, and I don't know how well Mike Bobo will do this year, but I think Munkin was, and he hired him. So I give Kirby tremendous credit. You look at a coach, and when he rebuilds programs, that's tremendous too. I I don't, you mentioned Brian Kelly winning wherever he's been. Hugh Freeze has won wherever he's been. Uh, he hasn't been yep. at places where he could win a national title, but those that's impressive too. And but I think Kirby Smart has the ability that if he went to Kansas State, Kansas State would get pretty good. Not saying it win a national championship, but I think it would get pretty good. 
I, I, I think Kirby's really good. I just don't know that he's because he's won two national championships at a place that was already built when he got there and already really rolling and winning. I mean, they were winning 11 games almost every year under Rick. They were really but, like, 10 was their like bottom. It's, but you know what, Rossi? They had won a national championship since the Herschel Walker years. I mean, that's and, and that's something that you know and. And we don't like him because he's goofy-looking, and he is goofy. He's really a kind of a goofy-looking dude. But the truth is, he obviously is a very good coach. And, listen, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. You're my man. Much love on the Ave, on the ones and the twos. Up next with us is Lee. Lee, hello. Hey, how you doing, buddy? What's up, brother? Uh, not much. I, I know you're fixing to get out of here, so kind of skip over some of this. But you guys were kind of... You got me thinking when you were talking about Heupel and, like, his offense. And I think sometimes we start to live in our own bubble sometimes with, with our offense that we've got. Um, and I started thinking about, like, some other offenses um, in college football that if you're a college football fan, we're pretty blessed to see some really cool stuff with guys like Kalen DeBoer. Um, like, I don't know if anybody's there. Probably no, not many people pay attention to, like, what Kansas is doing. Like, But they have, like, the most innovative offense in the country, if you ask me. It's really, really fun to watch. But what it kind of led me to was, was really like two points. When it comes to offense and college football, I think we're going to miss two things a lot this year. One, the academies are pretty much – the option is pretty much dead now in college football. The academies are all going away from it this year. We're not going to see that anymore. Maybe a little bit with Army, but not very much anymore. And the other thing we're really going to miss um, when we start talking about all these offenses is, is, is Mike Leach. Like, whether or not people understand it or not or realize it or not, but – 95% of every college football, of every college football team, or even high school football teams, or NFL teams, are using some type of Mike Leach principle um, in their offense, and, and it really kind of sucks that he's that he's not he's not around anymore. Um, and it's going to be a weird football season with, without him. Really well put, and uh, Lee, thank you. Uh, appreciate the great work of the calls today. John Adams, he makes a great point. I mean, Hypo learned under him, and there's so many other guys, I guess, dating back to Crazy Hal Mummy. Um, but, uh, you know, give Hal, hey, shout out Hal Mummy, shout out Hal Money, Mummy. John, we didn't get a chance to get into that expansion stuff, but tell them about your, your podcast that you have with Topmeyer, John. Well, what we did, one of our podcasts, uh, SEC Unfiltered, was to if we could kick four teams out of the SEC. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. 
Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and chindawa yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in Southern Middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Life gets busy and sometimes slowing down to buy your family quality food can seem impossible. This is Terry Taylor with Taylor Family Farm and we offer local home delivery in addition to our local drop locations to help with that problem. Now you can get your favorite pastured poultry, pork and grass-fed beef delivered right to your door. Visit taylorfamilyfarmtn.com to find out how. We believe in healthy food, healthy people and healthy community at Taylor Family Farm. 
Gypsy Kings featuring Donino Baliardo return to Nashville with a concert that will take you on a trip down memory lane. The Gypsy Kings will be performing their greatest hits November 4th at TPAC Andrew Jackson Hall. For you to dance and enjoy an unforgettable night. Tickets on sale through ToninoBaliardo.com. A loud and live production. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.